Welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Train podcast series. I'm your host, Joseph Ward. And I do want to give a shout out to my co-host, Patrick Irvin. You know, he doesn't do the interviews. He's a little shy. It's funny, but he doesn't do the interviews, but he does help on the back end. So shout out to Patrick. Um, shout out to the rest of our Freedom Train Network crew, Shelby Davis, Candice, our queens, uh, and shout out to the return of the Enigma Sep Hour. Uh, Emmanuel Nicholson, Enigma September, welcome back. And we're working on some other content that we're getting out on the network. So make sure y'all stay tuned. Hit up our website at www.freedomtrainradio.com. And remember, we're sponsored by PAX Inc. That's P A C T S I N C.org. And PAX Inc. is a black advocacy and think tank organization that their design is to create free tools and resources to help the black community uplift and empower themselves. So make sure you visit the website at www.pactsinc.org. That way you can access those free uh, at those free resources and that free information and be able to use it how you please to be able to help yourself and your situation in your community. And speaking of helping our community is the reason that we are here today. I'm excited about this interview. This brother, I just just learned this, but this brother is a seventh generation Tallahassee. So I need to talk to you on some other things. We got some <laughs> other business to do. That's yes, amazing. But this gentleman is somebody who I'm going to say is an asset to the Tallahassee community. He's over the years. I've watched him spend his time, give his time, give his talent, give his resources to our community. Um, he's responsible for helping to revitalize the art, the art scene, the art culture in Tallahassee. Uh, we were just talking for a while. Art was the expression of art was mainly for what I saw, mainly through music. Artists were here, but we didn't know where the artists were. So through a gentleman like our guest, and I'm going to say his name in a minute, but through a gentleman like our guest, art is on the forefront here in Tallahassee once again and it's it's allowing african-american people in tallahassee to be exposed to not just other african-american people but other people of other ethnicities and races who are artists and we know what exposure does exposure helps to expand the mind and that's one of the things that this gentleman has helped do for a lot of our youth and a lot of the adults in this tallahassee communities to expand their mind he is running for the county commission the leon county commission and I believe this gentleman is pure of heart. I, I believe his intentions are great. And I believe he is somebody that we can count on, we can rely on. And I, I would say would be a, a pleasure and it would be something that would be very, very special to have him in that seat. And this gentleman is Mr. Josh Johnson. Welcome to the Freedom Train, my brother. Thank you, Joseph. Man, I appreciate you having me. Um, all of that stuff that you just talked about is stuff that I have to humbly take because, you know, it is an undertaking that um, the art specifically, and I know we're going to get to a lot of stuff, the politics mm -hmm. and everything, but the art specifically has been an undertaking um, that is a great pleasure, right? Because we're helping yeah. build scenes and we're building dope vibes and it's community and it's expression and it's education. And so these things are so cool in themselves that the fact that I get credit for helping build them almost seems like too much. Uh, but I guess every now and then I have to uh, allow people to pat me on the back. So I yeah. appreciate you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. Now I, I get it though. I get it though because you're 
you do have to get used to stopping the smelling the roses and taking appreciation because when you when your mindset is on change you and you're used to boots on the ground working that's where it is i, I do cool. understand but but we're going to celebrate you we're going <laughs> to celebrate you it, yes sir yes sir so um before we get in into the politics and into the art um give us some background information about yourself and what's your why what inspires you to get up every morning and make your community better Great. So I'll take those questions in two parts. And I take the background about myself because while I'm a very public person, uh, you know, I'm always in the newspaper or somewhere on Facebook or whatever. uh, I'm starting to learn that very few people know what I do. They just know the hair and, you know, the gallery. But some background on me is I'm an educator. A lot of people Mm -hmm. don't know that I'm a teacher. I teach high school and college level classes. I teach my high school classes through Godby High School, and I teach my college classes through TCC, uh, and I'm also the president of 621 Gallery, a 41-year-old Tallahassee uh, cultural juggernaut, right? It's just Mm -hmm. a space that so so much great talent has come out of, and so serving as the president for that gallery uh, for these many years has allowed me a charmed life. Uh, And then I also run a uh, marketing firm uh, with two business partners and we help small nonprofits and small businesses. And we also bring large scale projects um, to the city and to the county. Uh, Usually I contract with COCA, uh, the Council on Culture and Arts and things like that. So, for example, right now I'm uh, in the Bond neighborhood and we're bringing a series of uh, murals and art gardens and banners uh, to the Bond neighborhood. And it's just stuff like that. And so even the most rigid parts of my work are very expressive, which allows yeah. me to, you know, keep my tank full. And then my why, uh, my why changes over the years because the mm-hmm. spaces that I find myself in give me new fuel to get out there and keep fighting and building community. And so now Um, Most presently, my why is the kids that I teach, the young boys, right, Uh, usually African-American males, um, age 18, right? I've been able to, and that's not taking away from any of my other students, Mm -hmm. but what I'm saying is um, vulnerable populations um, usually need an extra seed planted. Um, And so planting those seeds in building those relationships for me over the past uh, four or five years has been my why, because I see myself in them, right? The hair yes. looks like my hair. Yes. The problems are my problems. Their concerns are my concerns. The way we look at law enforcement or the way that we look at people looking at us when we're shot, they are me. And I've very rarely been in spaces where I can be a surrogate. Usually, you know, I'm up front fighting, but in this space, uh, it's literally me. And so it's just so cool. That's man. That's now that's great. That's great. I love that. Um, but you, you are right. Um, when you see those who do need a little extra help, being able to help them, that, that does increase them. That does, that does add to them. That does give them value. And you give them resources and things that they can use for themselves. So that mm-hmm. is amazing. And so I, I didn't know that you, I knew you was a teacher, didn't know you uh, was a professor at TCC. So An adjunct. Oh, but yes. still. But yeah, adjunct. Yes. Still. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Political now that's amazing. POS 1041. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you do a lot more than I knew. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. So 
you're running for Leon County Commission. So I do what, one thing I, I want to start because I always like to make sure people understand uh, the position that you're running for. So could you uh, for those who may not know what what is the Leon County Commission and what do they do? So the Leon County Commission is the body that governs the decision making processes that will govern the county. Right. And that's everything from policy to mandate to laws to the uh, to how we spend our budget, how we build our budget, how we plan our budget, uh, the projects we receive, the projects we don't receive. And so it's actually um, a really huge undertaking. You know, usually when people look at local government, um, they're looking at the city commission, you know, like mm -hmm. the mayor and things like that. And those jobs are, you know, the ones that make the paper more often. But actually, the county commission represents more people. Um, it represents the entire city uh, and some of the outlaying areas, um, parts of Woodville. And so it's uh, a very huge undertaking that affects the lives of, you know, almost 300,000 people. Okay. So, so what made you decide to run for this position? Great. Um, very good question. Um, I've had to boil this thing down over the course of this campaign because there was a lot of stuff that made yeah, me. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> um, but the way that I boiled it down is the fact that, you know, I'm an economics teacher. Um, that's one of the subjects that I teach. Mm -hmm. And the way that we're spending our money um, is, to me, absurd, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, when we're crawling out of a pandemic or when we have the poorest zip code in the state of Florida or yes. when we're one of the most segregated cities in America or when our school district is a great school district, but it also falters in certain ways. Right. Mm -hmm. When we have small businesses are going out of business every time you look yes. up um, another yes. Tallahassee iconic institution is going out of business yep. and the best things that we can find to spend our money on or $27 million giveaways and $80 million land use giveaways. I mean, this is absurd. When we have this excess money, if you're not investing it uh, in the communities and the community yeah. at large that needs it the most, uh, I don't know how much further we can go down, man. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. That's something that has been, uh, I could say a, a, a pain in the butt for me for a while, just seeing how funds are being spent. And I'm literally seeing my community get worse. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing uh, developments around my community, but my actual community getting worse. Okay. So you as the county commission, what do you plan on changing um, as the county commissioner? Absolutely. We have, we have to make, public investments, a more equitable thing. And when I'm talking about investments, I'm talking about everything from money to infrastructure uh, and everything else, because if these things aren't made equitable, you know, a lot of people have pinned uh, for some reason or another, maybe it's for political gain that I am anti-growth. That couldn't be further from the truth. I right. know that Tallahassee is going to grow. I know that growth can be beneficial, but I'm also not stuck in some echo chamber that tells me that we have to grow in the way that's deleterious to us. We can all grow. And if we yes. can't all grow, then we really should mitigate the factors that we're giving this money out for. Because, uh, you know, a lot of people, one of the most boring things that I have to talk about that has become really cool is mm -hmm. the urban services area. 
And every, when I used to talk about the urban services area, people used to say, man, Josh, don't nobody want to hear this until they found out what it is. The urban right. services area is the city boundaries, right? We're all okay. about sewer, electric and utility. All the utilities that we benefit from are in the things that make a city a city. Right. And I'm not running for city commission, but I'm taking this somewhere. Right. We are expanding the urban services area for these projects and spending all of this money on it. Right. And what we're doing when we expand the urban services area is we're leaving other communities out. And so when you send 80 million dollars to the northeast side of town that didn't quite need that investment for land use deals, for stuff that hasn't even been built yet, you're stretching the use of the city that much further north and what's already happening to a south side is making a south side more vulnerable or a west yes. side of town is already making the west side more vulnerable yes. right and so we're just compounding blasphemies by spending this money and expanding the urban services area for these projects that we don't need yes even even like you're saying 32304 is the poorest area code in the state of Florida. When I learned that, it blew my mind. But you know what's crazy? I'm so I'm 32310, a street over from 32304. Like Pens mm -hmm. I can literally walk to Pensacola Street, take me five minutes to walk mm -hmm. to Pensacola Street. So I, I see college students, I see the poor communities that have been there, and then mm -hmm. they put the shelter there. So we have a we have a growing homeless population as well. Absolutely. And so I'm seeing all these things that are happening on on the west side. But you know what? I never really thought about the combination of the west side and the south side and how bad it's getting for both. Like as a as a both together, mm -hmm. knowing that even but knowing that three two three or four is the poorest area code. So how how did that happen? Like how did three two three or four um, become the poorest area code and how? how can something like that be fixed um so the first question to how did it happen i hate to sound sensational when i say stuff like this but it really is just neglect i mean there's no other way around it there's okay. no other way around it when somebody who's 34 years old that's myself i'm 34 years old and as i told you when we were starting i'm seven generations from leon mm -hmm. county when i would drive through the south side as a kid it looks identical yes today yes to how it used yes. to look you know, yes. 25, 30 years ago. Yes. My old man says the same thing, right? My grandma said the same thing. And so if all of the elements that believe in growth so much to pump all of this money into these projects, if you believe in growth for growth's sake, it seems like common sense that you would want to lift the communities that need it the most. When you look mm -hmm. at the South Side, when you look at Frenchtown, when you look at Highway 20, when you look at areas of um, middle of uh, the East going just a little more, yep. these are neglected yep. areas, right? And yep. we are not making our growth equitable and it's becoming top heavy. And we all know what happens when something gets top heavy. It topples over, right? How you can fix that, um, fix that neglect is just by using a little bit of common sense. Saying that, listen, if we're going to do something here. Let's try to plan to also do something here so that we're mm -hmm. getting a, an equal lift of tide. And then people say, well, Josh, aren't you concerned about uh, gentrification? I absolutely would be concerned about right. gentrification in some of these areas. However, gentrification only happens when people can't afford 
to stay right. in the place that they're at. And that's when you start investing in small businesses and looking at people's livable wages and how you hike those things up. There's things that we have to do in tandem to make sure that this stuff works. But we're just nailing one nail for 30 years. And then you're mad when the board splits. That's what right. happens when you just nail one nail. Right. So so with all that being said, all this is happening. Mm -hmm. How can trust in our politicians be restored? How does that happen? Um, my answer to that question is time is out uh, to restore trust in some of them. It's time to vote them out and build trust with new ones. Right. Yeah. Uh, person I'm running against had 12 years to build this trust. I'm, I'm no longer interested in restoring the trust i want to get somebody in there that i can start building some new trust with because the stuff is i mean it's at a fever pitch no incumbent no right. incumbent is un uh is going unchallenged this year that in itself is an indictment that people are tired of trying to restore trust with the old guard it's time to build some trust with the new guard yeah no i'm i'm look i am a hundred percent with you and i am very selective about who i allow on my platform because I, I i think about it and i understand the brand that i'm trying to create but i understand overall what i what i want to do with this platform mm -hmm. and so i have you on this platform because i didn't have to build trust in you as a politician because i was able to build trust in you as a man i appreciate you man but but that's that's the thing that i want people to understand about someone like i'm not someone like you about yourself i want people to understand that about you this is a this is a a man of the community of the tallahassee community a tallahassee who's running for a political position to help change the city that he eats sleeps lives plays in and works in right we're on the same mission we're just taking two different vehicles to be able to get to where we need to go and you know like i said i want to be able to support you because i see what you do um, I see the impact of, of what you've done. There are so many, one thing that I've learned is you don't even really realize the people that you are impacting sometimes. Mm. And that's, that is another thing you have impacted me. You have impacted other people because that trust that you talk about, it's not a lot, it's not a lot of politicians around here that we trust, but you are one. And it's just a testament to the work that you've, that you've put in. So I, I do want to give you kudos for that. Thank you, man. And, and I've tried to, you know, it's easy when you're doing it, not expecting to run for this seat. When you live in a space where you're just doing that work and then these opportunities arise, I think that that's the, the best place to build. But a lot right. of people see these seats as stepping stones and they end up stepping on people. I don't see this as a stepping stone. Right. I see this as another way to express the work that I've already been doing great job great great so I, I do have this question um and it's about accountability because i know especially in our community where certain sex sectors of our community um we always we often talk about holding politicians accountable so as someone who has lived not being a politician who's running for a political position from from in your purview your vantage point your ideas how can politicians be held accountable um, so one thing we have to do is pay attention, right? Um, paying attention is something that I think is often slept on. Let me give you an example of this. And this is 
something that I have lectured about. If you okay. look at the south side of town, and uh, and I'm not a resident of the south side, but a fact is a fact. When right. you look at the south side of town, you've got a sewage treatment facility on the south side. You've got yep. an airport. You've got yep. two or three train tracks. Do yep. you think that that type of thing would have happened anywhere else? No, because politicians know that allocating those types of things to one side of town is a terrible thing to do. But they think that the people on the south side aren't paying attention. Now, while I think that's changing, I think a lot of that has been true, not because yes. people aren't paying attention, but because people have real world problems. And to be worried about the urban services area got to take a back seat because I need to pay my rent this month. I need to pay my mortgage this month. I need to see who's going to take care of the kids tonight. Right. I need to do those things. And so what you've been able to do is make vulnerable communities isolated from the process because they're spending all of their time worrying about the problems that these politicians are creating. And they don't have any time to worry about the new problems right. that these politicians are creating. Right. 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 And so uh, $80 million going out to a Walani land use deal on the northeast side of town, you know, didn't even really make a stir because they did it during COVID when nobody was paying attention. We were all dealing with these problems. But that was mm -hmm. $80 million. Do you know what $80 million investiture could have done somewhere that really needed it? Right. Right. You know, it's those types of things. So in order to hold people accountable, we have to start paying attention. Right. We have to start um, not living in tradition so much. We have to start yes. breaking up this tradition and saying, <laughs> yes. you know, <laughs> it's time for some either action or some movement. And if you ain't going to act, you need to move. Right. That's where I am in life. Just period. Act, action over talk. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm just tired of talk from within our community and outside of our community. I just believe we have a lot of people who, especially that look like us, that don't have our best interests, who are mingling with the people who don't look like us, who already don't have our best interests. But a lot of those people are being put in positions that make decisions, like where the money goes, mm -hmm. where the resources go. And we need more people in positions that look like us, that don't look like us, but who have the best intentions for the community that they're serving or they claim to serve. And um, but like you say, paying, being able to pay attention, but being able to understand what's going on. That's one thing I, that I've noticed within our communities, because you're, you're exactly right. If I'm if I am taking care of my mother, we low income and. I'm struggling. She's struggling, but I'm doing my best to take care of her. She has health issues. I have health issues. Some of these other things that are literally going on that affects my everyday life, I'm not going to be able to get to it. Hmm. So those vulnerable populations are being taken uh, advantage of. Absolutely. Uh, that's that's horrible. But that's why I'm glad somebody like you will be on the way. Call them out. Call them out. Do what you need to do. <laughs> to be truth to power, man. That's the yeah. I come from. Because if you if you look at like the last four years, we've had a lot of shaking up, uh, a lot of things shaking up in the political realm. And you know, I'm not going to say names on here, but mm -hmm. they're they're politicians who I do give my hat off to for mm -hmm. speaking up, standing up, speaking out, speaking truth to power, and and rattling things and calling out people who are not doing their jobs because that's what we need. We need something different in here. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. Um, to be honest with you. Um, and I hope this doesn't sound like I'm indicting anybody, but I think too often people see politics as a job. And once the job becomes your check, 
we all know from our jobs that you'll do anything to keep your check yep. almost right yep even if it means and you got to stop looking at politics as a job if you can't do what you're supposed to do up there without the fear of losing in four years or two years then you ought to never run for these seats but people get comfortable it becomes their income and people are trying to fight to keep their jobs instead of fighting for the people who gave them the job right right i agree i i definitely agree um mindset matters mindset matters your care matter your care matters your will matters um question that, that just popped in my head um because you 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 have uh you understand economics you teach economics uh, economics is a very important part of the platform that you're running so i i keep hearing uh, a lot of uh economists and other people who are talking about a coming food and water shortage just for for the world and I, i'm i'm just thinking about tallahassee have you heard any of the the officials the politicians anything anybody knows realms talking about the coming food and water shortage and how the tallahassee community could best get prepared for the best <clears throat> combat so um i think that some of that stuff has been sensationalized okay and, but the parts of it that are true are the fact that we're creating food deserts i mean we've been creating food deserts yeah. for 15 years and so right. even if the food or water shortage isn't a true thing it's already true for some people right right Poor people all over this country are already seeing food shortages because it's uh quarter tank of gas to the next to the nearest supermarket food's too expensive what you get in there because of inflation right people are forced almost forced to eat very unhealthy foods that mm -hmm. have other systemic issues and so no I, I well I shouldn't have said no I have heard some people addressing these food de deserts and these inflation crises but what I haven't seen enough of what I want to see is people putting stuff in place that's going to mitigate or curb these things just like okay. uh you know what you reminded me of affordable housing yes now that affordable housing is a problem nationwide every politician you hear talk i want to do something about affordable housing We've yes been talking about an affordable housing crisis for the past five years it wasn't until it hit the doorsteps of people that matter to those politicians did they start saying anything about it now that yes it's across the board yes right and it's yes. the same thing with this with food deserts and food crises and resource crises we know it's coming right economists know it's coming people in the barbershop know it's coming everybody knows it's coming uh but people politicians don't start talking about it until they think they can get a vote from it when actually they've had 12 or 15 or however many years to do something about yes. it and didn't yes. do anything about it so don't talk yes. about it now it's been an issue my entire I'm 38 and it's been an issue my my entire adult life it's been mm. an issue so what affordable not, housing yeah well that uh just the food deserts yes. because I'm from the south side I grew up on the south side so I I was I lived on Putnam Avenue uh back yeah. in let's say the early 90s where when the Win Dixie was in that uh shopping center on the south side mm -hmm. uh when Dixie was on the uh, I guess you could say the east side of the of the of the lot and then they had the Harveys on the west side yes yeah so growing up we had two grocery stores in that area and then magically both of them are gone the area is getting worse 
Um, so they, they bring Piggly Wiggly, and I'm glad the Piggly Wiggly is there. But you still have these different food deserts. You still have that. Affordable housing has really affordable housing has been an issue my whole life. I remember um, we, uh, my family went through some issues when, when we dealt with homelessness. Mm-hmm. And if it, if my mother wasn't disabled, trying to find affordable housing would have been a bit more uh, difficult. And that's that's crazy to say that my mom had to be disabled to find affordable housing you yeah. know so that's always been an issue but i also i was scrolling through instagram and i saw um tally newsroom posted uh, 300 unit for affordable housing units supposed to be coming to tallahassee and mm-hmm. i'm just wondering if that's truly going to be affordable housing um so i i can't speak to that specific project because i'm not quite sure what you're referencing but i will speak okay. to this if people think that two hundred thousand dollars to two hundred and seventy thousand dollar homes are affordable housing, that just shows right. you the disconnect. Right. That's not affordable housing. Now, it may meet the average median income of the area, but all that means is that that's a wealthy area. That doesn't mean <laughs> the houses are affordable. Right. Uh, I just don't understand. And so a lot of the projects that we've seen come in under the guise of affordable housing have turned out to just be commerce boulevards or developer enclaves where they then hike the prices up. But they said that it was going to be affordable just to get ease in the development. But we we don't know how it's going to turn out or they'll make it student housing or something. Who knows? That's good. So so I want to ask this and then I want to kind of I want to pivot into some of the other things that you bring to the table because I want the people to know you as a whole human being. Mm -hmm. So why should people vote for Josh Johnson? Mm -hmm. Um, So I could tell you that uh, the school teacher art gallery guy is the most endorsed person in this race, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, has led fundraising for several months. I could tell you all of those things. And those things might be things that validate a vote for me. I don't think they are. Uh, the thing that validates a vote for Josh Johnson um, is record and presence, right? Where yeah. have you been? What have you been doing and what are you doing now? Not what are you saying you're going to do? And so the things that I have done um, are very public. I think I have uh, crafted a very good reputation for myself. Mm -hmm. But outside of Mm -hmm. that, the stuff that I'm doing now um, is stuff that we just need done. We need certain communities lifted. And so when it comes to the art sphere, the education sphere, when it comes to the business sphere, I have always focused my life's work on uh, on helping the most vulnerable. Sometimes the most vulnerable look like me. Sometimes the most vulnerable don't look like me. Sometimes, you know, it's a poor white kid, right? Or a poor mm-hmm. Hispanic kid. It doesn't matter to me. I believe that vulnerable populations should be taken care of. And that's not because I'm trying to give the bag away. It works for everybody. When you take care of the most vulnerable, the middle can be more comfortable and the top can be more imaginative or however you want to look at it. But when you let the bottom sink, it ends up weighing everybody down. And then we find ourselves in positions countrywide where you see stuff like one percent of the population owns more than the other. Ninety nine percent combined. That's ludicrous. That is ludicrous. But not that ludicrous because Leon County. I think God's gift to earth is still one of the most segregated cities in America. Yep. Right. Yep. Just take a trip down Blairstone Road. Blairstone Road changes in front of your eyes. 
Oh, yeah. North Monroe. There's parts of North Monroe that look underdeveloped and untouched. And there's parts yep. of North Monroe that look like downtown Denver or Austin, Texas, right? Swank bars and stuff like that. It's uh, it's a problem, and it's not a problem that we may not face. We just need to get in front of it before we start yeah. facing it even more. Yes, sir. Yes, 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 yes. And I've always said, and I always tell people, we're literally separated by railroad tracks. Like, because, you know, that's the old adage, but we are literally yeah. separated. And I tell people, for those who've never been to Tallahassee, there's a literal railroad track that separates FAMU and FSU. That yeah. FSU is the north side, FAMU is the south side. FAMU is the HBCU, FSU is the PWF. We know where the resources are going. And so, but that's why, that's why, um, another reason why I want to have you on here so more people can hear you, see the passion, and understand what where, where you're coming from with this political race. It's not just a facade. You're not just trying to be popular, not just trying to do anything. Because, you know, a lot of people think these positions pay a lot of money. These positions really don't pay a lot of money. Actually, you know, I think they pay... Um, and I'm going to say this, and I hope I don't Good. get myself in trouble with colleagues in the future, but the county commission pays $80,000 a year, right? Wow. Uh, which is not a bad gig to have and have another gig. And so if you're going to have that much onus on a position, you got to expect that much more from it. Yeah, I get I really you. Do. I, I agree. Really do. I agree. I agree. I agree. But, but you know, the overall, though, is you're giving your time and your effort you're you are you're stepping up to a plate to where people are expecting you to do a specific thing but also i charge the voters though not just uh because i i want people to know everything about you as a as a man as a politician that they need to know but i charge the voters to do their research and do your homework i charge the voters to um understand much about Tallahassee and the politics in Tallahassee and everything that's, that's going on because I, I, I often run into a lot of people who they, they're they going to vote based off of what I tell them and who I tell them to vote for. Mm -hmm. And that's not how we should be doing this. We should we should know as much as possible. Now, uh, under, with the understanding that everybody's situation is going to be different, but we do have those who have a lot more time, a lot more, a lot more resources, a lot more knowledge who can help others. And platforms like this will be um, something that helps. But I do charge the voters to do uh, as best job as they can to research the, the the people who are running for the positions and know exactly the talking points, know that what their heart is as much as you can. And just just be as well researched as possible so we can make sure we're putting the right people in the right positions. Absolutely, absolutely. Because that, 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 that will make it's a so I, I always look at things like a team and the team concept. What's a politician without the voters, and what are the voters without a politician? If we're going to use this political system, mm -hmm. so we need you and you need us. We put you in this position, but I often I, people when they vote, they say, Well. I just voted the person in. So you didn't vote that person in with a specific goal in mind or idea yeah. or why you want this person or what you want this person to do. And so that's the thing I charge the voters. Don't just vote just to vote. Vote with a specific goal in mind. You know what? I'm going to take it one step further because another one of the subjects that I teach are civic, social studies, government, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Good. Um, when people call my phone, um, people that I don't know, you know, uh, mail-in ballots just went out. And so people are starting to call, you know, because mm -hmm. my number's public. 
people that I've never spoken to before saying, yes. hey, is this Josh Johnson? I want to know why you why I should vote for you. One of the things that I noticed that the majority of people have said on the phone or in person or whatever is don't let me take up too much of your time. I know you're busy. And I tell them not because I'm a good guy, but because I have a frame of reference. I'm talking to my boss. Right. Yes. As yes. a political person, when a voter calls me, that's my supervisor. And I don't know anybody crazy enough to tell their supervisor that they don't have time to talk about work. And so voters have to understand that politicians aren't the powerful people. The voters are the powerful people. We work mm -hmm. for the people. Mm -hmm. Too often it's gone the other way. And a lot of these things have become self-serving and it yeah. feels good to go to these parties and be recognized and shake hands. No, you know, celebrity, you're a servant of the people. And if you're not willing to put on your butler's coat every now and then, then you need to step out of this game because this is a servant's game. You drop the mic on that one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Because that, that sums up everything perfectly. That that sums it up perfectly. Yes, so so I do want to pivot into you as an educator. So mm -hmm. um, how long have you uh, been an educator in Leon County and when did you get your start? Absolutely. So I've been teaching uh, for four years and this is how I got my start. My political career started as a criminal justice reform guy, right? Mm -hmm. I was really interested in how we looked at the restoration of civil rights and how we looked at our restorative justice and clemency and stuff like that. Um, and so I was managing a campaign for the school mm -hmm. board, Marcus Nicholas, he won this year, yes. as a matter yes. of fact. Um, and Marcus would always plant a seed in my ear. And he would say, man, you should really think about teaching, even if it was part time. I'd say, Marcus, I don't have time to teach, man. Look at the work I'm out here doing. He says, yeah, but certain kids never get to see guys like you, right? Yes. They see you in the newspaper and they see you on Facebook and their parents are clapping for you. But how much more powerful could you be or how much could you close the opportunity gap? if those kids got to see you every day. And I said, man, I'm not doing it. And over the course of the year of managing this campaign, he talked me into it. And entering the school system uh, was probably one of the best things that I've ever done. Every day, every day, you got to smell Mr. Johnson's cologne. You got to see me in my face and you have to deal with me and reckon with me and play with me or whatever, but I am there and I am a present authority that can give unavailable love because we locked in that box together all day. Yep. So yep. those I see the kids more than I see a lot of people in my personal life. They become right. my family, which is why graduations right. are a lot like funerals for teachers. It's a very sad thing, but um, they become family. And so I think that the representative nature of it has been healthy for me. Uh, but my start was actually from managing a school board campaign. Okay. Now nah, that's a, that's amazing. Now nah, that's amazing. And you you teach at Godby High School, correct? Godby High School. So what what has that experience uh been like being an educator especially in a high school? Mm -hmm. I couldn't um and I'm good with my words, but I couldn't <laughs> sum it up. I, I okay. could not sum it up to you. The the friendships, the mentorships, um, and the relationships that I have been able to build, that I have been blessed or fortunate enough to build over the past four years are or will be some of the most important mm -hmm. of my lifetime, even if I live to be 600 years old. Right. Um, it has been a place where I am free. I have never had a job where I was ex where what was expected of me 
was to show up, right? Yeah. Showing yeah. up is what makes me a rock star at God be them seeing me. Every other job showing up is uh that's just punching the clock. That's just nothing. That's what you're supposed yeah. to do. But my showing up is a thing that can change a kid's life. Yes. And I hear it time and time again. Uh and so it's just a space that I can't explain to you, man. But if I could, I would say that it is the purest and the most beautiful thing I've ever done. Now, and that's amazing. That is amazing. But um, Marcus was right. Repre representation does matter. Yes. I've, I was fortunate enough to basically all every school I've gone to has been predominantly black. Mm -hmm. But in that process, you still have more uh, women as teachers than men. Mm -hmm. So uh, I didn't, let's say men teaching me didn't have a significant impact on me until high school. Mm -hmm. um, I, re I remember Reverend Brown. I remember uh, Mr. Allen from Rickards. Um, I remember Mr. Johnson. I remember uh, Mr. Farquhar, who was our science teacher. So, you know, those those four men, and then I played football. Mm -hmm. So those those men, those black men that I was able to be around who showed us love who showed us the tough love who gave us the 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 easy love the emotional love it was a full range of emotions that we was able to experience but then going to famu and seeing black intellectuals at the highest level and you know the first time um i heard a, a black person articulate themselves and but their tonation wasn't more of a european person of a white person but they're very articulate but their tonation is like mine <laughs> I was so excited. So, and that, and that's something that made me want to improve the way I communicated with people, improve just the way I cared myself, improve the way I I was just as an overall man. I was like, what I can? I, you mean you mean I can do I can do this? So, I wish I would have had someone as a teacher like you, um, especially like middle school, um, just being able to to understand that being an intellectual was a pretty dang on cool thing to be. To be. I heard yeah. that. You know, yeah. I want to hit on a point that uh, most politicians would stray from, uh, but I can't be the man that I say I am. And you brought it up if I didn't hit on it. Now, mm -hmm. I don't want any qualms made about it. I am fighting for a job, and I've done this in my life, that represents 300,000 people. And these people look different. And mm -hmm. each one of those people will have the same access to me and the same passion from me. But if it is lost, I, I want people to understand that it is not lost on me for a second, that as a black man, right, there is an obligation that I have. Now, that doesn't mean that anybody is prioritized heavier, but I know what seeing a Commissioner Johnson looking like this does for a young African-American guy, because oh, yeah. I've been that before. Right. When Barack Obama won the presidency in 2008, I had never met the man, didn't know the man. Right. Had no connection to him. But that may have been one of the power, the most powerful things that ever happened to me just because it validated me in a space. And so mm -hmm. actually, before I got ready to run this race, um, a student of mine asked me his name's Nemo. And we called him Nemo because you can never find him. But Nemo, said, <laughs> Nemo asked me, he said, all right, Johnson, you're getting ready to run for office, huh? You going to cut your hair or you going to stay looking like us? And when he asked me that question, 
and I was going over it in my head. I didn't think I was going to cut my hair because I like mm -hmm. the whole gray streak. But I right. guess you, you know, you think about tightening up. Or yeah. Something. When Nemo asked me that question, he removed the choice from me. I didn't have the choice anymore because he was looking. And now I got an obligation to his eyes just as much as I got an obligation to anybody else's eyes. Yes. He was looking. Yes. And when you look yes. at it, when I know you're yeah. looking, you got to do it. <laughs> but but that's the great thing. But because but that's also a compliment to you because mm. you've been a black student, young black man, in Tallahassee student. We're not looking at everybody. Mm. You know, just because you're in my school and just because you're a teacher doesn't mean I'm looking at you. I yeah. see you, but I ain't looking at you. I, I look at people who I have a connection with. I look at people who care. Yes. And that and that young man was validating that not only do I care about you, but I care about the quality of campaign that you ran because mm -hmm. we're trying to see if you're going to still remain one of us or you're going to be like everybody else who just who gets the position and forget about us. I heard that. Yeah. I but heard but that. it but it, so it's a, it's like a two pronged message that was that was sent. Like we care about you, but we we want to make sure that our situation can get better. We got expectations for you, Mr. Johnson. Yeah, we, yes. you got expectations for us, but we got some for you too, bro. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes, absolutely. Nah, and that's and that's great. So, um, how how can education be mm -hmm. improved? Um, how can how can we better make uh, make a make, how can we do a better job of making sure that the children, especially the children who go through the Leon County school system, mm -hmm. where, no matter the side of town they are. Mm -hmm. they can get the best education that they can get. How, how can that be made happen? So I will say this starting off. I do believe that the students of the Leon County school system get the best education. Now, could it be better? Still better than everywhere else, but mm -hmm. it could be better. Um, and one of the, you said it in your um, opening statement, you actually took a line that I've been saying for years now that uh, the greatest education is exposure. Right. Exposing people to stuff is uh, a juggernaut when it comes to education. And I do think that in some facets of education, we could expose kids to more. I think that sometimes there is too big a uh, uh, responsibility given to college. Right. We need to start talking about the trades more. Right. Welders and barbers and uh, estheticians and uh hairdressers and all the like we can start talking about trades more we have to start making investments in the communities that the kids go back to because when they're with us for the six or seven hours a day they're good but some of them go back to conditions that i just cannot explain mm -hmm. in the greatest city and county yeah. on planet earth and we've got some hard situations i tell people all the time teaching at a title one school a lot of my students go through more from the time they wake up and make it to school, then some of the teachers will go through all week yeah. and we're growing, yes. Yes. right? There's problems out there. Some of it's financial, some of it's social, whatever it is, there's things that we can do to make sure that our students are going home to something as good as what they're coming to school for. That's the responsibility of education, to have our kids complete and they can't be complete when we're not investing in their communities. Yes. We can't, they can't be complete when their parents can't make a livable wage. They can't be complete when the investments that they see going everywhere else, they never once see come to them. Yes, I 100% I, I agree. And 
two things happened in my lifetime that I've always wanted to see, but I didn't think it would happen this soon. Mm-hmm. I saw Rickards and Nims improve. Yeah. And the reputation, especially Nims, shout out to everybody, Dr. Benny Bolden, everybody over at Nims, because I always thought that if if we could see Nims improve, that could start a domino effect. Nim, like Nims and Bond. You see those type of schools improve. You can start to see a domino effect. But but also what that means is we can. <laughs> this is what happens when people who care actually do something about it. Yep. And if if it if it can happen for those schools, it can happen across the board and it can happen within our communities. And it's just a microcosm of the bigger situation that can be if we just make sure we put the right people in place. But us as the us as the 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 community people, the voters, everyone. We do our part as well because and that's why i want to keep reiterating that it's not just on you as the politician it's not just on you as the educator but it's on us to support you and you support our efforts because we're a team mm-hmm. out of all the um you know it's cool that you said that out of um and i've got a lot of endorsements man but i just got one this weekend from um the south side frenchtown political action committee right and when you look at what organizations have been doing um it means that it could have always been possible. There was just some walls there, right? But when people 15 years ago, and so you said you're 38 and from here, so you know probably 20 years ago, probably 30 years ago, people were saying that Frenchtown can be an area that exists and not only exists, it can thrive yep. and it can keep its characteristics. It does not yep. have to become an extension of Midtown from the back. Right or FSU from the front. It can right. exist in the middle of those things and be just as cool as both of those things because both of those things are cool. I love FSU, I love Midtown, and I love Frenchtown. And now that Midtown's encroaching on Frenchtown from the back and you're starting to see all this gentrification, there are community members that are standing up and saying, no, yep. this is a historic district. And if you yep. really care about Frenchtown, you'll make investments in it. And we have been seeing some things move. now enough movement hasn't occurred but we have seen things move which means mm-hmm. that it's possible it's yep. possible yep yeah and that's that's what that's the hill I'm, I'm standing on and i'm dying on it's possible and as long as it's possible we can put in the work we can do what we need to do to make it happen because that possibility that possibility dies when the people don't care anymore that's it yes sir yes sir so let's 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 talk about art, man. Let's talk about yeah. some art. So so let's just I'm gonna start here. It's been around 41 years. I just started hearing about it a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. What is the 621 gallery? So 621 um Railroad Square is our art district. Um it has been adopted as Tallahassee's art district. It's mm-hmm. a vibrant place of colors, murals, shops, bars, everything, right? It's a cool place. 621 um is what I believe the anchor of Railroad Square. Um, It has been there all of these years and it has been a venue space, a contemporary art gallery, a community hub, a think tank, a lot. It's just a vibe is right. It's 4,000 square feet of vibe. And now what we do as a business model is we show contemporary art from all over the world, actually. As a matter of fact, we have two international artists exhibiting in this upcoming exhibition season, but uh, artists from all over the country. Now, this is nothing against 621. 621 is one of the great loves of my life, but you hit on something that you've been here your whole life 
it's been here your whole life and you just started hearing about it recently. Bro, 621 has always been a dope space. It has for a long time been an exclusive space, right? Not exclusive mm -hmm. in the way that you look at most things like a class exclusivity. It was really exclusive in the fact that it was so art heavy um, that some other things fell by the wayside. And so during the tenure of my presidency at 621, um, I have started art and activism, right? Where we're talking about community issues. I have started um, make, well, not I, we, I should say we, because it's a board of us. We have started making it more accessible to venue spaces. So we have hip hop shows in 621. We have, uh, uh, house shows in 621. But moreover than that, we have been highlighting, and more importantly, we have been highlighting local artists, right? Mm -hmm. Before you had to be a professor somewhere uh, in New York and you could get you a show at 621 because everybody wants to show there all over the world. It's a 4,000 square foot white wall, high ceiling gallery. It's great. Um, mm -hmm. But we're starting to highlight local artists and not just local artists. Um, local artists of color and black yeah. artists, right? We started yeah. a television show that got on network okay. television called Art in, okay. uh, Art in the Margins, right? Wow. Where I highlight black artists from all over the country. Most of them were local too, but all over the state and country. Uh, and so we believe the same things we've always believed, but now we're putting ourselves in a position to manifest them out into the world. Right, right. Why, why is art important and why was it? why is it important to make sure that... Um, more artists are created and the creations of the artists are promoted and and supported oh um so i, I just answer this personally because this has to be a personal question uh but growing up um the music my dad listened to on saturday morning when he was making us clean up the house um <laughs> is stuff that i might not always listen to now but if it comes on the radio man i could a tear might roll down my eye because it's just important and the mm -hmm. men and the women that were important to my father, the traditions of activism and community engagement, those people, right, were usually highlighted through art. And so you've got art as a vehicle itself, but usually pop culture and activism and all of the huge moments of a day are captured in some art form, whether it's music, mm -hmm. right? Some people look at Bob Dylan or James Brown, right? But um, look at what visual artists like Basquiat and Warhol were able to do in capturing their moments. And so art is a vehicle that can take uh, progress places that progress itself couldn't take it. And so yeah. it's a fast car too, man. You get in that art vehicle, you can drive to places you could never go because everybody loves some form of art on a yeah. visceral and cost on a deep deep level and so art's important man it's, yeah it's everything really i just don't want to sound pretentious but it's everything it is art art is the expressions of a culture it's yes. how people express themselves is how people um show the the everyday life is how people show what's going through their minds what's going through their hearts is it's a form of communication um i i hate i want i love that that Art is being revitalized in this area, but I hate the overall, I guess, idea and some of the actions that have been taken, especially taking removing art from schools. Mm -hmm. And uh, at, at sometimes when people they try to 
denigrate or look down or limit specific artistic expressions while ignoring the other um, forms of art who may do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And some of that, sometimes that could be the face on it or or the place where that person comes from. But I, I just believe that art is something that you can't box in. Art is not something that you can tell somebody, hey, don't do this. Mm -hmm. But then if I look over here, because like, and I give examples, um, even though I, I know the impact of some of these songs. I, I see see people when they look at hip hop, they tell hip hop what they can't do, but they go to Hollywood and and praise everything that they just told hip hop they can't do. They go to Hollywood and praise, and I never, I I never thought that that was right. I I do think artistic expressions need to be pure. They need to be free. But if you want to change the message or change the tone or the frequency that's in the art. You got to change what's going on in communities with the people because mm -hmm. they express what they experience. I'll, um, I'm going to tell you something I don't know if I've ever said publicly, and I've done a lot of interviews, and I'm not ashamed of it. As a matter of fact, mm -hmm. it's, it may well be one of the coolest parts of my life, but um, through the art and business world, I have had the rare opportunity, very rare opportunity to um, manage pieces of the catalog of uh, Leon Hicks, the artist, Uncle Junior, who may well be the most the, the foremost African-American printmaker to ever live. And he's mm -hmm. 90 years old now. And the reason he's in Tallahassee is because he retired from FAMU because after teaching at all the Ivy League schools, FAMU was the first school that gave him an opportunity to teach in the 60s. And so he wanted to retire here. And so we have a, a cultural icon living right here in the city. Right. Wow. Got more write ups in press than anything, an art catalog in the millions. And I get to manage a few pieces, about 75 pieces of his catalog. And one thing that uh, Dr. Hicks told me is. Uh, I used to be mad when people called me a black artist mm -hmm. because it watered me down. Mm -hmm. However. We have to put ourselves in spaces that validate the space itself. And I know that sounds like a bunch of language, but all I'm saying is if art is art, we cannot be concerned what people say about hip hop, yep. right? Yep. Um, now I have critiques for hip hop because I'm a hip hop head. And so there's mm -hmm. things that I don't like about hip hop, mm -hmm. but anybody who denigrates an art form can no longer be valid. I don't care how powerful they are because the truth of the matter is uh, African and Middle Eastern arts and Asian arts are the very first arts on this planet, African arts yep. specifically. Yep. Um, and so these are the traditions that started art. And so to to un, to water down black art um, is not even a crime. It's just not even something that I hear anymore. And I used to hear it a lot. And I still hear yeah. people saying it. I just yeah. don't listen to them anymore. Right. Right. And so, yeah, no, I believe I'm, it. That's all art. But, yeah, we, we're not going to water down uh, black art at all. As a matter of fact, man, art is the way somebody walks. You ever yes. see some of these pictures of these photographers taking a, uh, brothers in Harlem in the 60s and just the way they're wearing their clothes and holding the item in their hand and walking is art. Now, the photographer yes. had to take a picture of it to show it to us. But that brother was walking regardless, and he was still art. Art is yeah. everywhere. The way person yeah. dresses, the way you choose to exist, right? It is. It's art. And so I believe in it, and I don't take certain critiques of it seriously because right. they have no place in art.
Where do you see the 621 Gallery in the future? How How is this this artistic scene in Tallahassee growing? Ooh, that's a good question. And it's a question that's going to get me in trouble, but I don't care because I like a little trouble. Um, while art is everything, and it's also something that uh, has informed and dictated movements, art can also be used as something to separate communities. Yes, right? yes it can. The yes, very can. first thing we see happen before gentrification comes is a mural go up somewhere. Yes. Right? You see that yes. mural? Then you see yes. that Starbucks and you know it's about to be happening, right? And you see somebody it's jogging. <laughs> and so art uh, has a responsibility to communities because a lot of people use art to do things. And so I, what I'm saying is the future of the Tallahassee art scene um, can go a few different ways. I know mm -hmm. what I want to see from it. I want mm -hmm. to see it preserved. I want to see it help grow. I want to see it situated and I want to see it get the credit it deserves. I never want it to be used as a tool to uh, further divide communities, people, classes, races, sexual orientations, whatever. And art can do that. And it's a responsibility of the facilitators of art to make sure that that doesn't happen. Right. And right. so 621 um, has that responsibility. But so does every other art hub, collective gallery or space uh, in this county. And if right. we do it right, we're untouched. We have so much art talent here yeah. that it is insane. Yeah. Insane. So, so um, where can people in Tallahassee, where can they go to see uh, art exhibits or just see displays of art that we may not, and I'm a, I'm asking that for myself and others. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've gone to, um, it's an art gallery uh, down the street from uh, Olean's. Um, I can't yeah. remember the name of it. I've been there before, but, uh, and I understand that, you know, um, things happen in the railroad square, but for somebody like me who would like to go see more exhibits and, and immerse myself further into the art scene, where can I go or where can others go to, to see what's going on to immerse ourselves? Absolutely. So obviously railroad square is a hub for some of that type of stuff. There are several there's us up front and then there's several smaller galleries sprinkled throughout Railroad Square. And then you've got the Anderson Brickler Art Gallery, the gallery yes. that you were talking about, yes. um, who was owned by Dr. Brickler. Um, and it is just an amazing gallery that usually highlights African-American art. As a matter of yes. fact, um, Dr. Hicks, Leon Hicks is uh, one of the principal uh, artists that's shown in the Anderson Brickler Gallery. Uh, we also have university galleries. We have the uh, uh, Foster Tanner. Uh, art gallery on FAMU's campus um, and its ED is Aja Roach who is yes. a um, a legacy artist yes. fantastic from a legacy artist. art family she's a fantastic yes. person her father's Joe Roach who is a local art legend and so that gallery is just doing amazing things and then you have um, FSU's art gallery FSU has two art galleries and okay. then you have Vinvi right uh, well, with uh, Brenda and what she does is phenomenal. And it's on Park Avenue and it's a privately owned um, art gallery. Um, and there's just so many things to to do. And usually, not usually, but sometimes we work together and there are mm -hmm. shows at uh, cool little houses and brunch shows. And so it's just a bustling art scene. And once you get it, and then there's Lemoyne, right? Um, people sometimes try to pit us against Lemoyne. Uh, there is no, uh, well, obviously there's some competition baked in the cake 
But right. Lemoyne is a local treasure as well. We're just in the same business. And Lemoyne, right, downtown is an incredible art gallery. And so we have spaces. And then the student population, right? The pop-up shows that FSU and FAMU students are doing through the art schools is amazing. And then you have art hubs like uh, The Plant uh, right there on Gaines Street, right next to the Wilbury that's doing really cool collective stuff in the art world. And so we just have a lot of stuff to tap into. And then there's collectives like Cat Family Records that does everything from manage music artists to do production. And it's just a cool, cool place to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, you, you named a, a good number of, of places that we can go experience art. And I'm ashamed to say this, but I'm going to say it been here my whole life and I've only heard about two or three of those places. Yep. Well, so, um, some of that is because like we said, exposure is the greatest education. And, yeah. um, some of these things aren't always marketed to 24 year old African-American males. Right. 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 And sometimes to be fair, I, I mean, I've been a 24 year old African-American man. Sometimes we wasn't checking for that stuff, but if we knew it existed, it would have consumed some of the stuff. I would have loved to take some dates to some art galleries, but yeah. I just didn't even know that yes. they were there like I saw on the movies. And so some of it was people weren't checking for me, and some of it was I wasn't checking for them. Yeah. And so once we expose and start working together, uh, it gets so much better. As a matter of fact, um, I had friends, never internally in the gallery, personal friends of mine, that when I first started my tenure at 621 said, Josh, why are you going to an all white space um, to exist and do things in there? Why don't you start your own thing? And I said, well, first of all, starting your own thing is a huge undertaking. And mm -hmm. second of all, why not show up in every space and make these spaces more cooperative, right? And now 621, from the uh, inflection of art and activism and programming that we do there and being a venue space has just not only financially benefited, but the community has grown so much. We had a collective come to us and say, uh, we want to do a Juneteenth event. Now it didn't work out uh, because of some, uh, uh, some internal stuff on their end. They mm -hmm. couldn't get it ready, but we were ready to have that. And Juneteenth, right is a holiday now a federal holiday yeah it's yeah. going to be celebrated and exploited like any other american holiday that's how we do holidays and to see that 621 right who 10 years ago was an exclusive white space not a bad space still a beautiful space but just exclusive to a certain demographic uh was going to represent and have a juneteenth event where it was programming and music and history and lectures and poets and all types of stuff. So it's just, you have to change spaces from within. And that's what I, well, you don't have to, but you can. And that's what I chose to do with 621 in a lot of ways. Now, hats off to you, kudos to you, all other accolades and, and superlatives that I can throw out <laughs> because the politics, education and art, you have you have undertaken a task in helping Tallahassee improve and we can see the improvements we can see the changes um so you are you all the praise that you get is well deserved all, all, because like once again you don't have to do it but you're doing it. and but 
uh, a, a great thing about you is you understand um, from a foundation point of why this is important for Tallahassee. Why what you do is important for Tallahassee, because there's a there's a young man, young boy, and some young boys and young girls in Tallahassee. And I'm not even talking about color at this point. I'm just saying there are young boys and young girls in Tallahassee who will be influenced by somebody like you, who will see what you are doing. Or even if the even if it's not a direct influence, it could be an indirect influence or something that you had your hands on. But that's going to impact somebody's life in a positive manner and help their life get better. Mm-hmm. And that's what's that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Because from politics to education to art, these are three things that exist. They've always existed in human societies, and three things that have been uh, instrumental in shaping human society. And so you have your hand in all three and the overall goal is just to see Tallahassee get better. And yes, I can't, I mean, we can't ask for more. We can't ask for somebody who's more genuine and down to earth and a real Tallahassee <laughs> taking this, taking the reins, getting this position to make sure Tallahassee is better. That's great. That is great. So my hat goes off to you, my brother. I appreciate you, Joe. And I just appreciate I you. Like I told you when I said, giving me a chance to run my mouth is always an honor and a privilege. I meant it. Especially yeah. when it's about stuff yes. that uh, is going back into the places that I uh, that I think are the most dear. And Leon County is right. the best place on planet Earth. So I so since you like talking and I like talking, I, I actually I'm gonna talk. I want to talk to you a bit about this when we get through with this. But I have another mm-hmm. venture that I'm doing on my historical side that I would like to see you. Uh, I like to collaborate with you with. So I would take it as an insult. If you didn't come to me, man, I'd say, please, let's link up. Absolutely. Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so um, somebody sees this interview, they love what you're talking about, or they don't like what you're talking about. Anyway, mm-hmm. how can people get in contact with you? Oh, I, I do this because I'm real, and I'm not afraid of it. First thing I'm going to do is put my phone number out there. Anybody ever wants to call me about anything, the only thing Josh can do is express his truth with a yes or a no. So my phone number is 850 850- Four five nine seven two one two. You can find me on social media at Josh underscore politics underscore art. You can find me on Facebook at my, my personal page Josh Johnson or my political page Josh Johnson uh, for Leon County Commission at Large Group Two or my website which is www.voteforjosh.org. Um, you can always come into the gallery. Now, I'm not always in the gallery because as the president, um, I am fortunate to, uh, like you said, be seen as the face of the gallery and the, mm-hmm. the big head honcho. But day to day operations are run by an incredible person, an incredible local art personality, April Cluse. Uh, and so she's the ED uh, and runs day to day operations. And so she's usually there every day. But at any time you stop by 621 and say, hey, I want to talk to Josh. If you leave something there, I'll get it within a day or two. Um, and so I'm very accessible, very accessible in any yes, of those sir. ways. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. The audience appreciates you. Tallahassee appreciates you. And the future of Tallahassee would definitely be brighter because of the work that you've put in. So ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Josh Johnson.